Hello and welcome to the St. Emlyn's Podcast. I'm Simon Carley. And I'm Rick Boddy. And this is another of our cans, standing for... Critical Appraisal Nuggets. So in about five minutes we're going to try and get through something which will be interesting to you if you're interested in critical appraisal, if you're reading the journals, or particularly if you're coming up to one of your exams and you need to sort of answer some difficult questions set by people like... Like Simon us, Carley. Like us. Well, you know, no, I don't set them, but... Um, uh, there's some, a panel of experts who set them, which is a very interesting uh, thing to do. Right, so what are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about the relative merits of prospective and retrospective studies. Okay, so this is something that gets people a bit confused, because sometimes you can have data which appears to be collected prospectively. So just remind me, by prospective we mean... Yeah, well, here is a really important issue, you know, because this does cause a lot of confusion. So it's worth just dwelling on the definition of prospective and retrospective studies for a second. Prospective studies are really studies where we identify the patients for inclusion in the study before the outcomes occurred. Yeah, so we might see somebody in the department with chest pain and we're going to follow them through and see what happens to them. But we identify them when they first have the chest pain, not when they have the MI and then look backwards. Exactly. Now, some people might call a study prospective because data were collected prospectively. For example, the history was taken prospectively and therefore they'll label their study as prospective. That's inaccurate because all data are always collected prospectively. So if you use that rationale, every study is prospective. Actually, if we only identify the patients to be in our study afterwards, then it's a retrospective study and we need to acknowledge that. So it's really about the point when you decide that this person comes into the study and then that's going to define whether it's prospective or retrospective. But OK, that's fair enough. But why is this such a big deal? So there are some really important differences uh, between the two types of study. There are some important limitations in particular to retrospective studies. And in fact, retrospective studies represent a lower level of evidence than prospective studies for good reason. So if I'm doing this prospectively, so let's take a cohort of patients, let's use chest pain, we always do. So people who come into the emergency department with chest pain, so undifferentiated chest pain, which might be typical, might be compatible with cardiac disease, and we follow them forward and we see what happens to them, then I think I'd be fairly confident that I would capture all of that data going forward because I'd be spotting the patients as they come through. If I did it the other way round and I took people who had a myocardial infarction then looked backwards or I went through, say, the notes in the emergency department and tried to find people who'd had chest pain and then go and see what happened to them and try and find out what they were like at the beginning, am I going to get significantly different data here? Actually, you are. Now, it's very tempting to think, that let's say we wanted to evaluate the accuracy of the heart score mm-hmm. in the emergency department. It's very tempting to think that we could do a retrospective study and we could identify all of the patients who had serial troponin ch- testing and a presenting complaint of chest pain, for example. So they had the reference standard investigations for acute MI and they had a presenting complaint that's compatible with suspected ACS in the ED. We could include all of them. It's very convenient, low cost. We don't need to get consent from the patients because we'll simply handle anonymised data. And we won't get any selection bias because we'll get a consecutive sample, get large numbers very, very quickly. It seems like a perfect design, but there are some important problems. So number one, there's a selection of participants. That sample will be different. So we might have a consecutive sample, but it will be a sample with different characteristics to those that would be recruited in a prospective study. What we'd like to do prospectively is include patients where we're actually treating them right now and we think, oh, you know what, this might be an acute coronary syndrome. I'd better investigate the patient for that. 
handling it retrospectively on the basis of whether they had troponin testing is slightly different. We always get slightly different prevalences. We get a slightly different population. We get a messier population. And of course, in your, your example, they may not have had a troponin taking, which means you wouldn't have been picking them up. So you're losing patients as the, as the simplest example, but there are other reasons as well. What about the quality of the data, though? You, if you're doing it retrospectively, you're reliant that people recorded data, which you subsequently, after they'd done it and you discovered that you wanted to do a trial, how would they ever know that you wanted to know the same things? You're, you're basically on working on the basis of luck, aren't you, that they would have recorded the information you wanted? Yeah, absolutely. So quite often in a retrospective study, the data collection hasn't been standardised. So we're relying on ex- extracting data from free text notes, for example. And that has important limitations because if, for example it wasn't documented that the patient had hypertension. Does that mean that the patient did not report hypertension or does it mean that we didn't ask? Hmm. Whereas if we did the study prospectively, we could use a checklist to say yes or no, the patient has hypertension or does not have hypertension. And that way we can be sure about it. There are also other things that aren't recorded. So the example I gave of the heart score, for example, very common now to see studies that are retrospective looking at the accuracy of the heart score. And where they fall down is looking at the history so in the heart score, the first variable, beginning with H, H for heart score, is a history. And clinicians have to rate whether the history is highly suspicious for ACS, moderately suspicious, or only slightly suspicious. And we often don't record that in our practice. So in a retrospective study, you then have to do something else. You have to substitute something. You have to think about, well, what could we use instead? And then you're using surrogates, which aren't as good, perhaps aren't valid, and maybe don't give you an accurate representation of how the heart score is really going to perform. Okay, let me give you another example, one of which may be familiar to people in the UK, which is always gets my head a bit um, confused. When we have large databases which continually collect data. So let's take something like the TARN database, the Trauma Ordinate Research Network. So that's a database which takes people who are positive for major trauma markers, admitted for three days, ISS more than 15 or death, or ICU admission. And it standardises its collection. So if you come in, then there'll be a standardised collection form for all of these patients. And this is running all the time. Is that when I then go back and do a study and find out whether people with head injuries have got a higher or low pulse rate, I'm making it up. Is that retrospective? Is that prospective? Or am I just confused? Well, actually, it's retrospective because the patients are only identified as being eligible for TARN later when we know that they spent three days in a hospital for example so that's after the event that makes it retrospective and the data collection is standardized which is terrific tarn is a superb registry for trauma patients but it's not a prospective study and there are some limitations to the data collection we still extract it from free text notes although it's standardized and we go through a checklist later at the time the patient's treated in the ed We often use free text notes. So there are still some limitations to it. Some things that only a prospective study would be able to do, whereas a retrospective design might have limitations. So even in a very good database like Tarn, we're big fans, there's still limitations because of the way this is done. So that's really good. So in summary, difference between retrospective and prospective are key points. In a prospective study, we include the patients in the study prior to the outcomes happening. And in a retrospective study... We include them after the outcomes have happened. And if you think that one through, you can get the biases and you can understand why it's not such a good idea. Great. More cans coming soon. Thank you, Rick. Thank you very much, Simon.